Good afternoon. Welcome to our study of the Psalms as we read through a few of the different Psalms from Psalm 1 through 150. Uh, this is our last week reading throughout the Psalms. We only have, uh, we're only having six more readings uh, and we'll be kind of done through our journey to the Psalms. Uh, what an amazing journey it's been. I know I've been blessed by being able to read the Psalms with you and, and study some of them. And, and it's just been an amazing opportunity to be able to share with you guys some, some of the Psalms and, and how God has blessed me throughout the readings. Uh, but today we're reading Psalm 132. Psalm 132 is our reading today. And today's psalm is, is another song of ascent. It's it's one of the uh, last songs of ascent. I think verse one or chapter 134 is the last song of ascent in, in the psalms. And Psalm 132 uh, is a pilgrim song, like we've talked about in the past. Uh, these songs would have been songs that the people would have sung traditionally on their journey towards Jerusalem. So wherever they were coming from, whether it was from the north, from the south, as they journeyed towards the temple, as they journeyed towards um, the gathering place of sacrifices and, and festivals and and um, feasts, they would have been singing some of these songs as they walked and, and traveled towards Jerusalem. So some of these songs would have been songs of protection, it would have been songs of uh, rejoicing in the temple, it would have been songs of um, kind of this this approach to Jerusalem and, and the praise that would occur as the community gathers together. And today's psalm, Psalm 132, is really a song about hope and, and about the Messiah. And so let's read Psalm 132 together here and we'll see kind of how that leads us to, to Jerusalem, to the Messiah, to this, to this pilgrimage and this journey. Uh, so verse 1. Verse 1 and verse uh, 10 are going to be connected. They're going to be framing uh, a request. And then verse 11 to verse 18 are going to be the answers to that request. So uh, verse 1, Psalm 132. O Lord, remember David and all of the hardships he endured. And, and the hardships they're referring to here is, is specifically the hardships of trying to build a house for the Lord and trying to build a temple for God. And we're going to see that as we read uh, verses 2 to 9. But uh, this is the hardship that David endured is, is this longing, this deep passion for building a, a house for God so that, so that God could dwell among his people. Uh, verse 2 says, He swore an oath to the Lord and made a vow to the mighty one of Jacob, saying, I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will allow no sleep to my eyes, no slumber to my eyelids, till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. Now, obviously, this oath isn't literal. David did sleep. I mean, we, we know that David actually didn't build the house for the Lord. Uh, he may have uh, constructed some of the plans and made some of or laid some of the foundation work in terms of uh, the building blueprints. But we know that Solomon was the one who actually physically built the temple. So this oath that David makes is not a literal oath that he's not going to go into his house or to bed or to sleep, but rather it's it's kind of a metaphorical oath. The idea being that the house of God would be the, the primary focus of David. David would not think on anything else. David would prioritize nothing else other than to build the house of God here. And so we continue reading verse 6. We heard it in Ephrathah. We came upon it in the fields of Jar. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. May your priests be clothed with righteousness. May your saints sing for joy. Verse 10, for the sake of David, your servant, do not reject your anointed one. 
So here we have uh, verses 7 through through 9. It says, Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Or foots, footstool. Arise, O Lord, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. The ark of the might uh, being the ark of the covenant. The idea that God's presence, God's strength, God's power uh, went with the ark of the covenant. And so we see that in the book of the Kings when the Israelites used to take the ark of the covenant, in, covenant into battle. And that was the idea is that they were taking God's strength, God's presence with them. Uh, so, so this this psalm is an asking God to rest in His dwelling place, to rest in the temple, to bring the ark into the temple, so that God's power might be resting there, and that the priests would be clothed with righteousness, with justice, that the saints, that God's people would sing for joy. And this is actually a repetition of the the prayer that so- that Solomon sings as he dedicates the temple to God. So after he's built the temple, uh, he says something along these lines. He says the same thing as, O Lord, come into your resting place, you and the Ark of your Covenant. He says that uh, specifically as well uh, in Second or in First Chronicles. And, uh, and he also says the same thing. May your priests be clothed with righteousness. May your saints sing for joy. Uh, this idea is that the psalmist is calling back to this dedication of the temple. He's calling back to the time of Solomon, the time of David, when God's presence would have been seen to have lived with Israel uh, in the time of God's glory or the time of Israel's glory more specifically uh, when David and Solomon had built a, a, a prominent kingdom that was well respected and and uh, politically um, powerful and also very wealthy in that time period during that time of, of David and Solomon and so they're calling back to this time this time of Israel's glory and so the reason that they're doing this is because uh, they are they are looking forward to a time when Israel's glory would be restored. So this this first portion again is framed by verses one and ten. Verse one: O Lord, remember David and all his hardships he endured. And verse ten: For the sake of David, your servant, do not reject your anointed one. So this this call, this cry, really is this this statement or this acknowledgement that things are not as God has intended them. Uh, Israel is not prospering. Israel is not doing significantly well. Israel is not as wealthy and politically powerful as it used to be during. The times of David and and Solomon. And so the psalmists, as they're journeying towards Jerusalem, this would be the idea of the Song of Ascent or the Pilgrim Song, uh, as they're journeying towards Jerusalem, they're recalling this time when Israel was great, when Israel was ruled by God and, and where the kingdom was was anointed and clothed in righteousness, you might say. And so they're, they're calling again, verses 1 and 10, that God would fulfill his promise. They're saying, remember the promise you've made to David. Don't forget him. Don't ignore his suffering. Uh, and then verse 10, for the sake of David, your servant, do not reject your anointed one, the one that you have chosen. That's really what the psalmist says. So it's a call for God to keep his promises. And then verse 11 and, uh, up to 18 is kind of the response to that. It's the psalmist saying God does keep his promises. And so we're going to see this as we read verse 11 through 18 of Psalm 132. So verse 11 says, The Lord swore an oath to David, a sure oath that he will not revoke. One of your own descendants I will place on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and the statutes I teach them, then their sons will sit on your throne forever and ever. So the psalmist says here, surely God is not breaking his promise. Surely God has not forgotten his promise. He says in verse 11, it's a sure oath that he will not revoke, that that God will not take away this promise that he has sworn to David to always have a descendant of David on the throne of God. But there's a caveat here, and this is verse 12. 
uh, the psalmist is, is calling God's people to remember the caveat. They're saying God has kept his promise. God will keep his promise. We might not see it right now. Israel might not be, might not be a powerful kingdom. We might not have a ruler of David on the throne, but God has not forgotten his promise. But the caveat to God's promise in verse 12, it says, If your sons keep my covenant and the statutes that I teach them, then th- their sons will sit on your throne forever and ever. The caveat being that God's, that uh, the faithfulness of God's people would be would be rewarded or kind of be responded to by God keeping his promise. That's, that was the promise that was made. I will establish a descendant of David on the throne forever if his people keep the commandments. So the psalmist is really saying, God hasn't forgotten us. God hasn't forgotten his promise. In fact, God has not canceled out his promise. The reason that we're not seeing God's promise fulfilled right now is because we're not faithful to the covenant that God has called us to. That's what the psalmist is saying. And so he's, so he's kind of really calling God's people as they journey towards Jerusalem, keep the covenant, keep the commandments of God, keep the sacrifices, keep everything that God has called us to because then God will fulfill his part of the promise, a promise that he is not and will not revoke. And so verse 13, we continue reading, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned, for I have desired it. I will bless her with abundant provisions. Her poor will I satisfy with food. I will clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints will ever sing for joy. Verses 17 and 18. Here I will make a horn grow for David and set up a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but the crown on his head will be resplendent. So this is, this is God speaking then, uh, because God has chosen Zion. God has chosen Jerusalem. God has chosen Israel as his resting place, as his dwelling, as the place where he will live. And then he continues, verse 14 and 18, he talks about, this is the resting place forever. He sits enthroned. He will bless with abundant provisions for the poor. He will satisfy with food. He will clothe the priests with salvation, with righteousness. The saints will always sing, will make a horn grow for David. The horn represents strength and honor and dignity. And so the idea is that God would strengthen David that that would provide honor and dignity and restore that grandeur of the kingdom uh, of the kingdom gone back to Israel and so the kingdom to come would be would be strong and would be honorable would be uh, righteous would be a place of peace of satisfaction where the poor are satisfied with food where there is no one who wants of anything where the priests are clothed with righteousness and salvation and the saints will always sing because the blessings come in abundance and the enemies are clothed with shame, and the crown of David's descendant is is on his head with resplendent glory, with with shining glory. And so the idea here represented, and we kind of understand this as as the Bible shifts, as the New Testament comes in, that God's promise of of establishing a king on the throne of David forever is not necessarily a, a earthly promise, is not necessarily an earthly king, but rather that Jesus, who comes from the line of David, would become the king to sit not just on the throne of Israel, but the throne of all mankind, the throne of the entire world. And so Jesus comes to be the fulfillment of this promise. Jesus comes to be the descendant of David who sits on the throne of God, who dwells forever. And so while God's kingdom has not come through through the Messiah in the first coming, when he first comes, we do know through the promises of Jesus through the Old Testament, through the, or through the New Testament and the Gospels, that Jesus promises that he will come again. He will come a second time where God's kingdom will finally be on this earth. And this is the promise that we cling to. This is the hope of the Messiah in the future to come, which we find in verses 
verses 15 to 18, the hope that the poor will always have food, that this will be a place, God's kingdom will be a place where no one will ever want of anything because all needs will be fully satisfied. Well, the priests were God's people, and this is, Paul talks about this later, where we, as God's people, are a holy nation, a priesthood of God. And so the priests are clothed with salvation. It's a beautiful promise as we link the, this, this psalm with, with some of the stuff that we see in the New Testament, that God's people become priests, priests on earth, and they are clothed with salvation, the salvation that Jesus offers on the cross. And his saints will sing always for joy. It says in verse 16, we will always have joy because God's kingdom is here, because Jesus sits enthroned, because God rules and there is no sin, there is no chaos, there is no death. And this horn, this dignity, this strength, this honor that is set up, this lamp that is set up for the anointed is this ever-present light that shines from God's kingdom, that is Jesus, that God's enemies or the enemies of God's people are, are, are hidden in shame, but rather that God's crown shines in resplendent glory. And so it's this beautiful promise of, of something better to come. And I imagine that as these people were singing this, as they were reciting this on their way to Jerusalem, that, they, that their hearts would grow with hope in the promise of a Messiah to come, in the promise of a kingdom to come, in the promise of peace and restoration and a, and a kingdom of mercy and righteousness, the kingdom of the son of David. That's what they would cling to. And so for us, as we read Psalm 132, uh, knowing that the things have come and gone, knowing that the Messiah has already come for the first time, knowing that the Messiah offers salvation through the cross, through the crucifixion, through the resurrection of Jesus, we then can cling to the promises of Psalm 132, this promise, uh, where we call out for God. Because remember, the first half of the promise is really a call to, to ask God to fulfill his promise. They're saying, we're not seeing your promise fulfilled. God, fulfill it. And the last half says, we know God will fulfill it. And this is God's promise fulfilled. And then they talk about what, what it will look like. And so for us, it's the same. We read this and, and, and we think, well, we're not seeing God's promise fulfilled yet. And that's the beautiful part is that it's yet. Right now, we might not see God's kingdom here on earth. Right now, we might not see his will done on earth as it is in heaven. Right now, we might have chaos and sin and death and still the rulership and dominion of this world through the enemy. But, but God's kingdom is coming. The Messiah is coming back. Jesus has promised that he will return for us and that when he comes back, he will establish his kingdom and his throne forever and we will live with him in peace for eternity and hope and mercy and forgiveness and goodness without sin, without chaos, without death. And so that's the hope that we cling to. We might cry now and we might sing out now, God, keep your promise, but we can have this hope and this promise. God will keep his promise. And this is what God's promise will look like. He will bless us with abundant provisions. The poor will be satisfied with, with food. Us, this holy priesthood, this nation of God will be clothed with salvation. And we as the saints will sing forever forever with joy. Verse 17, for he will strengthen the throne of God. He will strengthen the throne of Jesus and set up a lamp to shine for everyone by his anointed. And he will clothe the enemies with shame. Those who have opposed God will be gone. They won't be here anymore to cause chaos and sin, but rather that the crown of God that Jesus will shine with resplendent glory among all of God's people, that we might have peace and mercy and have love eternal in the presence of Jesus. So what a beautiful psalm, Psalm 132, as we think of the journey to Jerusalem, as we think of the promise of the Messiah, as we think of the kingdom to come, as we think of the hope 
that we find in the promises of Jesus in the New Testament. So as you read this, I, I pray that you would see that, that you would see the hope of God's kingdom to come and that you would be inspired as you make your own journey, your own pilgrimage towards encountering God, towards growing in a relationship with God. And I just pray that you would find that hope in Jesus. Uh, so let's pray and let's close this as we uh, close our, our study of Psalm 132. God, we're so incredibly grateful for the promises that we find in your word, uh, for the promises that you have kept your oath, that you have not revoked your oath, that you have not forgotten us, but rather that you are working in the world around us to keep your promises. We know that the promise you had made to Israel to send your son, to send the Messiah, was fulfilled through Jesus. We know that the promise of salvation was fulfilled in the cross. We know that the promise of resurrection was fulfilled in the third day when Jesus rose from the grave. And so we know, God, that because you have kept your promises, we know and we trust in faith that you will continue to keep your promises. So these promises of Jesus, that you will come back again, that you will establish your throne forever, that we'll be able to live in a world free of sin, free of chaos, and free of death. We trust and put our hope in these promises, knowing that you will fulfill them because you are a good God who loves us. And so, God, as we pray and as we read through Psalm 132, I just pray that you would bless us, that you would help us to have this hope in you and to trust in the promises of Messiah to come again, that Jesus will return in splendor and glory and reclaim us into his kingdom. And so we're thankful for the promises. We're thankful for Jesus. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. So join us tomorrow again uh, here on Facebook Live at 12 p.m. as we read Psalm 139. It's another Psalm of David. Uh, so let's, let's read tomorrow Psalm 139. Join us here on Facebook Live. As always, if you had your own take on Psalm 132, uh, if you had uh, maybe something that God blessed you with as you were reading it, maybe uh, something that you saw in the reading, uh, please feel free to leave it in the comments below. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to hear from you. And again, if you have prayer requests or if you have needs, uh, please feel free to reach out to us. Reach out to either me personally or reach out to us uh, publicly here on, on Facebook or on social media, wherever you're listening. Uh, we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to pray for you and pray over you. Uh, and we'd love to uh, bless you in any way we can. And again, we just pray that uh, you feel God's richest blessings on your day to day, that you would be blessed throughout the rest of your day, uh, and that you would have a beautiful um, beautiful week as you as you rest in the promises that we find in Psalms 132. And as always, stay safe and take care. We pray you're blessed. Amen.